And now, the Street Photography Magazine podcast with your host, Bob Patterson. Welcome back to the Street Photography Magazine podcast. And our guest today is Ave Pildes. Ave is, uh, well, he's, I'll have him introduce himself in a little bit. We featured him in, uh, in the magazine a long time ago in our second year in business. And uh, he was uh, introduced to, to us by, by another photographer. And ever since, I've been receiving his emails with his, uh, with his photos. It's like uh, once a week. And uh, which which is a great way to keep in touch with people. Good old email. So um, yeah, Abe's out in uh, Santa Monica, but he's he's a fellow Buckeye, a fellow Ohioan. Only he's from the opposite side of the state, way down in Cincinnati. That really should be Kentucky, but you know we'll, we'll still <laughs> it call it part of it. It is Kentucky. That's right. So Abe, welcome. Thanks for thanks for coming back. Good to talk to you again. Glad to be here. Yeah, glad. Glad you were able to do it, and it's nice to catch up with people after a few years. So uh, before we get into things, Abe, why don't you just tell us a bit about yourself, your your life in photography, how you got into street photography. I know you do, do a lot more than just that, but, you know, give us a rundown. Well, I did. I had a, a photo class in, in college, um, and it was just a – and I had a two-and-a-quarter Rolleiflex, so that's what I started with. Um, my first education was in in architecture. That didn't it didn't really suit me because it was confining. Uh, so I, I moved over to design, graphic design, and um, as part of that, uh, uh, photography was a tool that I used. Um, after after college, I went to work in in uh, uh, left Cincinnati to take the first train east and that was stopped in Pittsburgh. So I, I worked in uh, Pittsburgh working in that time, Pittsburgh had uh, us steel and Alcoa and Westinghouse. And I was uh, designing collateral work for them. Um, and then, although I, I, it was, I was young and I really didn't know what I was uh, doing. And when I complained uh, to, to people like uh, Noel Martin and Paul Rand, uh, that, geez, I don't know what I'm doing. Even though you guys like what I'm doing, I don't know what I'm doing. And they both suggested that I go to graduate school in Switzerland, which I did. And I spent a uh, uh, little, little more than three years there studying uh, uh, design in Switzerland. And um, I, w- I had, all during this time, I had been taking uh, photographs, but uh, uh, not as seriously as, as I do now. But um, while I was in school and while I was in Pittsburgh, I, I was uh, uh, shooting uh, jazz musicians because I was a failed musician, which is interesting that um, when people are trying to find their way, if they're, if they're uh, uh, creatives, you know, there's plenty of crossover between musicians and artists and, and musicians and writers and, mus- and writers and artists. So so um until you find your best your what you're best suited for so uh i failed as a musician but uh, i succeeded as a photographer so uh after switzerland i i came back to the states and shortly thereafter the first job i took was uh teaching in philadelphia and then uh and then i came to visit a friend in california 
over Christmas this time, uh, I don't know, in, in 1971. And he was working at Capitol Records. And I was hanging around uh, Capitol Records. And at that time, an art director at Capitol Records got another job at A&M Records, a better job at A&M Records. And there was a art director's job left op- open at Capitol Records. And Capitol Records asked me, uh, do you have a, a portfolio? I said, it's in Philadelphia. So <laughs> their response was, uh, go get it. And I, and I said, well, I got I drove out here. I have to drive back. They said, well, there'll be a ticket waiting for you when you get, uh, when you get back to Philadelphia. So it took a couple of days to get back to Philadelphia. When I, I, um, when I got there, there was sure enough, there was a, a plane ticket to come back to California. I brought my portfolio back. It was during winter break. They said, uh, do you want a job and can you start immediately? So um, that's how I got to California in 71. And, yeah. um, and I, I, I got to work in the record industry. I didn't, uh, I didn't like it, but it was, a, it was a good start to a career here in, in California. Um, and uh, Capitol Records was right at, uh, on Vine Street, a half a block from Hollywood Boulevard. And at lunchtime, I used to go to lunch on Hollywood Boulevard. And I, and I just looked around and said, oh, my God, look what's happening here. You know, there were it was so crazy for me. It was so crazy that the, it was a mix of uh, uh, out of work actors, uh, people, actors who were acting, uh, street people, um, uh, hookers, addicts. I mean, the Hollywood Boulevard was on the turn at the at the time. So it was just a complete mix. And it's probably, uh, uh, oh, almost a mile long. And it's a street that has uh, terrazzo stars and planted in the sidewalk. And in each one of those stars, uh, there is the name of a famous broadcaster or a movie star or a television star or, or somebody in the entertainment business. And so they're memorialized in the sidewalk. So it's also a big tourist uh, attraction because people come to see their their favorite stars that are embedded in the sidewalk. So uh, I just said, oh, I started taking pictures there. You know, I just started taking pictures on Hollywood Boulevard. And that was, it wasn't that I was a novice at taking pictures, but I was kind of a novice at taking street photography. So that was really my my start as a street photographer, and uh, so I was uh, weaned weaned off of that. But uh, and and uh, um, uh, have shot other places. But that lasted uh, about three years, and I go back there often because the only the people have changed the cost the costume well. Mm-hmm. The types of people are still the same. The costumes have changed, but it's still a tourist attraction, and and it's a big draw. So uh, I love Hollywood Boulevard. So, yeah, you were uh, that's something you were Capitol Records, and uh, um, I mean you you were there during the I mean the heyday of rock and roll. I was. I got. I had a chance to to. Uh, uh, work on uh 
on uh, a lot of albums. I mean, I worked on, uh, I guess the biggest one, but not the one that I liked the most was uh, uh, the Ram album by, mm-hmm. by uh, Paul McCartney. But essentially, um, it was Paul and Linda who were designing and, and uh, you know, I was just kind of uh, uh, holding on to the stuff for them. But, but um, there, were, there were other people I got to work with, a lot of new artists, but um, because I was the, the uh, newest member of the team. Uh, I found that um, uh, the record company didn't always treat their artists uh, wonderfully. So, so that was that was a rub for me. And I think that uh, I was only at Capitol for for less than a year, and I opened mm-hmm. up my own design uh, firm so that I could um, uh, so that I could be the boss. You know, <laughs> yeah, <That's all. laughs> and everything else. Yes. Yeah, but I but believe me, I went to plenty of comp, con, concerts and stood, you know, like um, uh, right next to right next to the to the sound uh, system mm-hmm. and uh, blew out my ears plenty of time. But I, I was also twenty twenty feet from stardom, you know, <laughs> which great movie. Uh, yeah, it was a great movie, and uh, because the people were performing and. Uh, so that was that was really a, a wonderful experience for me, and um, and uh, I'm glad that I had it, and it's it's uh, served me well. You know, it's it's funny we're talking about this today. Just last night, I think it was on Netflix. I started watching a documentary about David Geffen. I saw that documentary, and it, and uh, it, it, it's old. I mean, it's from like 2012, but. It's very interesting, especially during that period. I mean, that was such an important period in in the music industry. And he was uh, just getting started in that, mm-hmm. in the seventies then, and and uh, so he was a wonder can wonder kin kin yeah. uh, at that time, yeah. and, and um, you know, uh, um, it was very vibrant at that time. Another. Another uh, uh, person who I was familiar with at that time and and uh, spoke with m- many times was Eve Babbitts, and Eve Babbitts was a writer. She just passed away this week, and she was a, an an author and wrote a number of books about about uh, uh, Hollywood. So I think four or five. Uh, she started her claim to fame was that she played uh, uh, chess nude with she was nude with marcel duchamp and that really started her career it was a perfect hollywood moment and um um you know i i asked her uh, uh a number of times if she wouldn't write something about my photographs but she she i guess um became a recluse um uh, not that she's yeah, so it was difficult to get her to do do anything with uh, somebody else, and and um, I think that she, be- if you want part of the story, she became a recluse. She was she was driving on Sunset Boulevard, I believe it was, and smoking a cigar, and in that time she was wearing a polyester dress, and the ash fell off and caught her her dress on fire, and. And uh, um, she was severely burned. So after that, she really um, 
uh, didn't, I guess that, that experience just really made her, um, turned her into a recluse. So, um, but anyhow, it was a terrible loss, even though the, she wasn't active at the, uh, recently, um, she'll be really remembered and, uh, uh, look her up. She's an interesting character. I will. Yeah, we'll we'll uh, put a link to any information about her. You know, whether it's a Wikipedia page or you know, she had her own website, whatever. We'll do that. Um, so you were talking about Hollywood Boulevard. You shot a lot there back in the seventies. Um, even more recently, I'm sure. But uh, I know you did mention that. After all these years, you, you'll be publishing a book with your Hollywood work, right? Yes, that, and, the, and the, book is, the book is called Starstruck. And um, it's about people, uh, um, it's about locals who are, who are walking down the street, who I talk with, uh, who are standing on the star, who are interacting with other people. and. Um, you know those 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 pictures over the years have have gotten. Uh, I guess they some of them are nostalgic, but others have become famous. So, uh, LACMA, which is the Los Angeles uh, County Municipal Municipal County of Art, has collected them, so they're in in that collection. And recently, there was a show called the the Golden Hour, which was a photography show by by LACMA, and uh, they partnered her up with uh, two other museums, which was Lancaster Museum and um, the Vincent Price Museum here. So that show is traveling traveling now. It's at the Vincent Price Museum, and it probably will travel uh, uh, after that. And one of the neat things that happened about one of the pictures that was in that collection um, called Power of the People, which was a, uh, a, a woman on Hollywood Boulevard, an African-American woman, holding her fist up in the air, which was a, a black power sign. That picture was collected. And, and as part of this show, it became a banner. Uh, the, the, the banners fly on the streets that invite people to go to the museum. So it was all over the city. But they wrapped the bus in that picture. That was just really incredible that <laughs> that they had uh, in Lancaster. They had one of their buses was uh, that was in service, traveling around and inviting people to come to see the 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 show, the Golden Hour. But it was wrapped in my photograph. So so after more than fifty years, that picture that I took was now traveling around <laughs> in another city. So, so uh, that that was that was really uh, uh, made me made me uh, quite happy. It was an affirmation, you know. Yeah, you just never know what's going to happen. You don't. That's that's correct. And in addition to that, um, um, because of of the I guess the the press that some of those pictures have gotten, uh, there is a uh, a publisher. Uh, Clint Woodside, who has a, uh, a a small publishing house, is going to publish a book about Hollywood Boulevard. I mentioned it, Starstruck, 
the the publishing company has got a great name. It's called Deadbeat Press. <laughs> so um, um, I think that's a club that I don't mind being in. So. <laughs> No, definitely not. Well, when is the book likely to come out? It's uh, it's supposed to uh, drop. We're pretty uh, in um, the end of uh, February, the beginning of March. Okay. It's being printed out of the country, so so they have to jump through those hoops. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, I think that it's probably ninety six pages, and may have uh, eighty plus photos. The uh, uh, I'm not sure. I, I, uh, supply the pictures and Clint, who's a, uh, uh, young publisher and also a designer. He, he, uh, takes care of that. And I'm happy to have the help. I'd like to take a quick break to thank the street photography magazine subscribers for your support. We couldn't do this without you. You may have noticed that we don't sell advertising or sponsorships in the podcast, or inside Street Photography Magazine itself. And that's because we want to be completely objective about the work we publish and the services and gear that we cover. Our only constituent is you, our listeners and readers. So if you like what we're doing, you can support the show by subscribing to Street Photography Magazine. It's only $5 per month, and you can do it by visiting streetphotographymagazine.com slash subscribe. And now back to the show. So when you when you make a book out of older photos from the seventies, of course they're all saw film. I mean, do you actually do you send them prints or do you send them negatives? Or, you know, how does that work? Well, we spent a couple of days looking through my folders of negatives. Mm-hmm. So and um and so it was an editing process. And Clint was very good. He he found photographs that I had originally rejected because they, mm. that wasn't on my uh, my mind or it didn't solve the problem at the time. And um, there were really good photographs, and he was looking at them with a fresh eye. And, um, and I accepted uh, um, that he found those. And then, and then the process is that I have a, a, a little scanner. That's um, that's um, made by Plus Tech, and it scans it. Uh, it has really great uh, Silverfast software. The software is a German uh, software, and it scans. It's designated thirty-five millimeter, but it scans at seventy-two hundred DPI. Oh, and and I I can get. I think that the image that I get is uh, thirty-three by twenty-two. That's what I. That's what it scans at. Huge. So, and yeah. I generally uh, re- reduce that to uh, twenty by thirty, and that's what I work on. So it's a, um, and and I tell you the scans are good. I can then bring them into Photoshop. I can make a better print um, now than I could in the dark room. I mean. Some people are going to say, well, it doesn't look like film and it doesn't look like a silver gelatin print. Probably doesn't. But I can make a better print. All of the information is there, you know, and I can and I can, you know, using the same dodge and burn uh, things Mm -hmm. that I learned in the darkroom, 
I have more control now and uh, the tools that Photoshop uh, provides you to do that are better than me cutting out little dodgers or, or me making little masks that I use in the darkroom. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that it's quicker because I, to get a good print, I spend a lot of time um, working on, working on the uh, file. And then I have, um, I've printed using Epson printers for years. And uh, my, my uh, 3800 Pro died at the beginning of this year. Um, well, it didn't die. It just wouldn't, it wouldn't, uh, uh, I couldn't use the, the photo black anymore. The switch was gone. Oh. And the switch uh, to, to repair it, it just wasn't, wasn't worth it. I gave it to my studio assistant, <coughs> excuse me, who likes to print, likes to print uh, with matte. Uh, so she can use it printing with uh, using just the matte inks. And I bought a new uh, P, P900 Epson. That's a wonderful printer. It doesn't get clogged. It, it, uh, I can only say good things about that. The, the profile works great with the Mac. So I can make, I can make a good print. And so now in answer to your question, what did I give, what did I give my publisher? I gave him files. Mm. I gave him my print ready files. Um, Before he prints it, those will be looked at by uh, um, a person who works for for him, uh, a Photoshop genius, probably much better than than I am, although he's only 10 years old. Just kidding. <laughs> but most most 10-year-olds are better at Photoshop than I am. Yeah, me too. And, uh, but uh, this guy is will make sure that the files are really uh, 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 good. So that was a long answer to your short question. Yeah, Sorry. That's okay. So you talk about printing. You've got a, a new Epson printer. Um, I mean, how... A lot of people think about getting back into printing, but then, you know, you, you talk about profiles and, and having to um, create what profiles for your printer and your your monitor, you know, to make sure everything looks right. I mean, how, how difficult is that? Well, <clears throat> uh, I don't get into it as much as some people. Mm-hmm. I think that there is a there is a, uh, a profile, you know, if you go into into a photoshop mm-hmm. um it'll you can get the epson pro you can you can get the epson profile you just have to um check that your monitor is not too bright or not too dull yeah. so you make a print and then and then from the print you you try and adjust your the brightness of your monitor so you're not working with your monitor all the way up to bright. You know, it's probably about two thirds, you know, and so that their monitor is looking like what you're getting from the printer. So once you have that synced and it's not as, uh, it's not as I exact as some people who are crazy about matching up particular mo- particular profiles to, to a, a high-end monitor because I'm just using the the screen from my Apple from mm-hmm. my Mac, and um, when I look at the prints, you know, if I have to make an adjustment, then I go back to the file 
and I make an adjustment. You, I can make it lighter or darker. I can fix an area, but um, uh, and then and then it gets marked print ready. You know, and the, so I save it as print ready, mm. and um, that's that's good for for me. I don't make myself crazy about it. Yeah, because you certainly can. Yes. So. Now, going back to Hollywood Boulevard, I mean, you shot, I mean, did you shoot there like in the 70s and then come back later and shoot in color? I, it, I, or? Well, I visit there, um, well, when I was shooting in the 70s, I was there, you know, I was a regular. I, mm -hmm. you know, like the people who were regulars there knew me as a regular. Mm -hmm. So I was there sometimes every day, certainly, you know, uh, as often as I could get there. Um, now I go on special occasions whenever there's something special happening. When I need a shot in the arm, I go there at, at um, Halloween time mm. because it's uh, even then it's really crazy. Although I went this Halloween and um, it, it was really kind of tame because of the of COVID. Um, so. But there are still, during the day, there are crowds of people around, you know, the, I guess um, the crowds of people are mostly at the intersection of Highland and Hollywood, um, uh, where they have uh, people in, people in uh, costume trying, trying to, uh, you know, I guess uh, avatars and, and, and Spider-Man and, uh, mm -hmm. um, uh, other people in costume saying, uh, hey, get your picture taken with uh, Spider-Man or get your picture taken with, with uh, uh, Batman or, or, you know, a cartoon character or Mickey Mouse. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, and then you, you uh, uh, pay them a dollar or five dollars or whatever they can, they can get uh, from you. So, and um and also, the, uh, one, once again, there's still people visiting their favorite uh, favorite stars on the on, on the sidewalk. So I go there. I still go there. It's a great place to shoot, and um, uh, it's not going to change. It's a tourist attraction. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So what are you shooting with now, as opposed to back in the seventies? Well, back in the 70s, I was shooting with a, a Pentax and a 24-millimeter mm -hmm. lens. And uh, I loved that camera. It was so simple. You could <laughs> you just set the speed and you set the aperture. Mm -hmm. had a little uh, um, uh, uh, meter in it. And, uh, you know, like uh, I, I always tried to shoot on uh, um, overcast days um, <laughs> to minimize my shadows. And, uh, you know, I shot with Triax film, which is terrific film. I miss the film. Um, and, uh, then I, then I, uh, um, along the way I, I worked for Minolta and they supplied me with all my cameras. And, uh, so I shot with Minolta for a while. And then, uh, then, um, I worked with, uh, Canon because they had, uh, they were very popular. Uh, for a while and then and they made good lenses and they had good metering system and and uh, that was the the dig digital uh, 
uh, my foray into digi- digital cameras, and and then uh, the the Canon cameras, which I thought were great, they just became too heavy for me. Yeah, I'm just yeah. uh, you know I got I got smaller and the cameras got bigger. <laughs> yeah. So so I I was looking around for uh, smaller cameras. And now I'm shooting with Sony's. They're very, they're really mm-hmm. small and compact. And and I know that uh, I've I've tried working with Fuji's, and uh, those are those are good camera too. I like them, but I'm I'm invested in uh, in Sony. And I and I I uh, Sony has uh, been good to me uh, uh, as a company also. So I I get uh, my cameras at a at a uh, steep discount from Sony. That's so great. <laughs> so that's uh, that's good for me. So yeah. and it's not really about the it's not really about the cameras. Mm-hmm. You know, like it it doesn't matter what uh, what you have. You find a way to use what the camera offers you, and then and then you try to make a, a decent photograph with it. Yeah, you know, you can't get a bad camera nowadays. No, no, they all take good. Yeah, technically, they take good pictures. It's uh, it's uh, generally what you take the picture of. Yeah, I didn't, didn't know you were shooting Canon in the old days. I would have brought. I have a Canon A one, and I, I still use it. They're good cameras. Yeah. When yeah. I, whenever I want to shoot film, I put it in that one. Yeah. But I don't feel like developing it. <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't. Uh, I can't. I couldn't keep my darkroom uh, clean enough. <laughs> so I always had somebody, a professional develop my film. Even though I could develop my film myself, <laughs> I had a professional lab develop the film. I could make the prints in the darkroom, but I, I was careful to get somebody who who could who could uh, process the film yeah. uh, better than I could. Yeah, we have a really nice shop in our little town that that does it and then they then they send you the files through WeTransfer, you know, like sometimes a couple hours after you drop the film off depending how busy they are. Right. Yeah, so that that works well for me. Yes. Now I got to do more of it. I've got a bunch of triacs in this drawer over here. I'm, I'll go out this week and do it. You got you got me motivated. I've had a brick of Panatomic X frozen <laughs> for twenty years. Um, I will never use it, but it's an interesting film because you can shoot it as positive or negative. If anybody wants it, let me know. <laughs> You'll probably get a taker. I'll probably get a taker. Yeah. I yep. We'll put your phone number. Now we won't put your phone number on there. <laughs> they can they can find you. We'll get all you know. We'll, when we're done here, you'll be able to share your contact info, whatever you want. Okay. Yeah, you know one thing. I hate to keep coming back to Hollywood Boulevard, but you did a series of photos of uh, movie theater ticket windows. The uh, yeah, and I, that, I, I love the Bijou. Uh, 1975. Yeah, that series of pictures has been very good for me. It's it's interesting that the, of the life that photographs have. 
So they, uh, and I, it isn't that they have a longer life than paintings, but I think that they're, they're multiples and you can use them for many different things. So, so, um, those pictures of the movie things were movie, uh, box offices were published initially by Zoom magazine in the 70s. Hmm. It's a Fr- it was a French magazine. And then they became popular and I made a uh, with uh, with a with a uh, publisher uh, a box set of prints. It was with uh uh Pegacycle Press and um I made 25 boxes of a dozen Hollywood box offices. And they were all silver gelatin. And initially they were $500 a, a box. Mm. And, and now they're um, uh, 5000 plus a box. I don't have any more, <laughs> you know. Time to make some. <laughs> but yeah, I, yeah. Well, it would be, well, interestingly that you said that, that in 2016, uh, Chris Pilcher from Nezrali Press um, published a small book on on his one series, and uh, so you can buy a little book that has uh, those those pictures in it, and in the back of the book there's a print, so you get the you get the book and you get a print. So so those have had a long life those those uh, pictures. And I shot them on film, uh, black and white triax, and I also shot them on ectochrome. And the ectochrome pictures, um, which are good, and I and uh, they're up on my website. But I've never I've never um, printed them um, in color or or sold the print other than somebody who wanted to use a. Uh, use a picture for in an advertisement, you know. So commercially, commercially, they they people have bought the color the color box offices and and used them in promotion of something or one thing or another. So, but those pictures have a very long life and they're still living. That's uh, that's amazing, amazing. You know, I we first uh, I first met you through um, David Valera. We had uh, this was uh, eight eight years ago or so, I think. Um, we featured him in the magazine, and he he told me, you know, we we a lot of times when we do the magazine features, we ask who's been your biggest influence, and he said you. And I guess you mentored him early on. And uh, so I just wanted to, I just wanted to ask, and, I, and by the way, I, I mean, I appreciate the fact that he introduced us. I've been following you ever since. And uh, I just wondered, did, do you, do you tend to mentor younger photographers much? Or is it just happen to be the thing you knew each other from, from other circumstances? Well, the, uh, the answer to that is yes, yes, and yes. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> So um David was a young kid when I met him and uh he was a neighbor of mine we lived on the same street which was a circle it was only a 
13 houses on this circle. And I, I knew his parents. And uh, we first started to connect when, uh, when I saw him riding a bicycle. Or, well, I saw him before that, but he was riding a, a 10 speed and I was an avid cyclist. So we started riding bicycles together. That's how that's how our friendship started. And then and then uh, as he grew up, he he uh, was interested in photography, and then uh, uh, started working for for uh, Disney along the way. And um, and then um, he was interested in photography and and asked me about photography and. So our relationship switched from riding bicycles to to cameras and taking pictures. And then um, he was a talented guy, and and as and as part of I have I had an alternate career where I was a professor and the chair of a department in a college. Mm-hmm. So so the answer to do I mentor younger people? Yes. Do I men- mentor younger photographers? I have, and I and I still do when they're interested, and um, and uh, as David not David Valeras and my friendship became uh, stronger, or or we became uh, faster friends, and we would go out shooting together. Then I then I asked him if he would uh, uh, co-teach a class with me. Mm. So we would uh, we so I introduced him to teaching, and. Um, and he loved it, and I loved it, and it was much easier to take a group of, say, a dozen or fifteen students out with two mm-hmm. instructors. We would split up, so seven and seven, or however many were there on that day. And even though we were in the same location, we would go in different directions for half of the time, and then come back and switch. Or the next week, you know, we would trade who it was that we were uh, uh, teaching or mentoring. And, um, uh, that worked out great. And, and so we did that for a few years together. And, um, then we, and it was through, uh, through the co- through a college, Otis College of Art and Design. And then we often thought about, um, um, starting our own classes where, where we could have as few or as many as we wanted. But in fact, that involved uh, paperwork and other responsibilities that mm-hmm. that that were not just taking pictures or talking to uh, to uh, uh, students. So um, we let it go. We let it go. But um, mm-hmm. we're happy to go out and together, and we're also uh, uh, happy to go out with the other people or younger people. I can tell you, it's um, it's very difficult to. To, for me to um, take pictures when I'm out with somebody else. Yeah. Sometimes I go, but you know, if you're looking at the same thing, then then um, you don't want to take the same picture. So you say so you look for another uh, station point. Um, uh, I I think I'm best at taking pictures when I'm just lost in the moment by myself. You know. What's going on here? And I'm, and I'm just, uh, I'm an observer, but I'm also part of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's, that's when I have a chance to, to find where the picture is. Um, when I'm out with a group of people or, or teaching a class, 
then I'm pointing out, look, you can look what's going on here, but I'm not taking pictures. I don't want somebody to emulate me. Mm. That's not, you know, like the, you know, I teach finding your own, vo your own voice. If you, once you learn the technology of your camera, what your camera can do, then you have to find what your style is or what you're interested in. Not that you take pictures like myself or like anybody else. Take pictures like yourself. So I try and uh, impart that information to, uh, to young people. So what has been, what have you gotten out of teaching and mentoring? What's in it for well, you? That certainly opens my eyes because, um, um, you know, it, people, as you, as you get older or maybe right from the beginning, you, uh, you get habits, you know, everybody forms habits. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, when you interact with other people, you see that they have different habits than you or they're, especially at young people, they're fearless. So, so they don't have any habits yet. So they say, okay, I'm going to do this. And that, that's something that, that, you know, because you are who you are, you didn't think of that. So, so it's a trade-off. Uh, young people are, are, as they are, you know, they don't care about making mistakes. So they show you something. So then it's a revelation to me. And I say, oh, wow. Look at that. Or there's a talented person and, uh, or, or they did this. I should try that. I shouldn't be so closed. Mm -hmm. So I think that, uh, it really keeps you open. Being around young people, um, keeps you young. Simple as that, you know? Yeah, I agree. I agree. Definitely. So, so, uh, oh, you know, there's another thing we need to talk about that, um, You've got, there's a documentary coming out sometime in the not too distant future about you, which I think is really cool. I mean, you had film crew following you around. That must have been interesting in itself. What can you tell us about it? Well, that's the, it's a, you know, like uh, history and age has its, has its uh, own rewards. So, um, I taught a class at Art Center years ago mm -hmm. to to um, film students, and it was a composition class. And that was really almost probably uh, um, more than 40 years ago. And then um, I think it's been now uh, at least four or five years ago, uh, I got a call from one of those students, um, Patrick Tulare. Mm. Um, at the time that he was a, a student, he was uh, a young student, a French a French uh, national who had gone to Art Center, and uh, he took my class. Then five years ago, he called me up and he said, oh, Abe, this is Patrick. You, you remember me? I said, oh, of course, Patrick, I remember you. In the meantime, he he got his citizenship here. He married a, a, a um, an American uh, woman. And he uh, was in the joined the film industry as a director. He has his his own production company, um, Art Seven Films. And he says, "You know, I've been following you for the last forty years." And I said, 
why? I said, why? <laughs> and, uh, and he said, oh, I always liked your pictures. I want to do a documentary about you. And I said, oh, Patrick. And he said, and so I wasn't really keen about it to begin with, but, but, um, uh, he said, yeah, I just want to, uh, you know, I have all these pictures that I've been collecting of yours and, uh, uh, I'd like to follow you around. So initially he wanted to, because I travel a lot, he wanted to follow me around, but he realized that that was impossible to do that. So he said, um, uh, so he started and he said, well, let's just can make it, uh, uh, those pictures that you've taken, um, when you travel, uh, can be in the film, but I'm going to follow you around here in Southern California. And, um, so he started and this was all done pre, uh, COVID except for some pickup shots that he wanted. And he followed me around and followed me around on Hollywood Boulevard uh, and uh, in Beverly Hills, in Venice Beach, uh, in Skid Row, in the in the uh, nearby deserts here, and and uh, always with a, a sound guy and somebody to hold a reflector and a, and a, somebody to to uh, run a, a a camera, and all of it was shot on on uh i guess 5k using uh uh what essentially were no that's not true still cameras but also but almost all sony equipment mm -hmm. so um and uh initially i was a little self-conscious <laughs> and i and then when i saw some rushes and things like that i said oh i i can't believe i said that you know <laughs> and uh um but uh, but you know like a lot of that grew on me and I'm not sorry for anything I said. And I realized that if I if it was really off of the wall that, uh, that they would uh, uh, cut it out, you know, in their editing. And, and uh, after I saw it, it was, it was really great fun. And it also, one of the plus factors of having a crew that was taking, you know, that, especially on Hollywood Boulevard, but, but any place that they were, where people uh, uh, gravitated to, like uh, Beverly Hills, or that when people saw a crew, they wanted to know what was going on. Can I be in the picture? <laughs> Can I be in the picture? So they would ask, uh, well, well, am I going to be on the news? Uh, are, <laughs> are you going to put me up on, on Facebook? And then, uh, um, then I would have to explain, or the, or, or Patrick would have to explain that they were shooting a documentary about me, and um, and then then the people wanted to uh, um, be in the picture, and so I so I got a lot of uh, fast friends fast, <laughs> you know. So there were people standing wanting, standing next to me, and I would have my arm around them, and they would have their arm around me, but. It allowed me to interact with the people and get them to do things and pose for me to take really good still pictures mm -hmm. while the film crew was taking pictures of me taking the pictures and getting their own uh, isolated pictures of what was going on. So it was really not a hindrance to me at all. It was a help. And I got a lot of... Uh, a lot of good, good still pictures that that are then in the in the documentary 
So, so you can see me taking the picture and then you can see the picture that I took. Yeah. So, so, uh, that was good. The, uh, I think the, the working title of that is is Aves America. Strange title, but, uh, but it's euphonious. And at the moment it's in post-production there, they're syncing up all of the sound now to make it uh, really correct. All of the color post-production has been done, but uh, um, I don't know. I think that it's made for television. It's not made for general release in theaters. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that um, Seven Arts uh, Film and um, there's another, there's Post Haste. Post Haste is the is the uh, post-production house. They've also become a, um, uh, 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 part of the, part of the film. So I guess they get, uh, some production credit. I'm not, uh, really up to date on that, but they're doing a great job. I've been told. So. Yeah, I can't I'm wait. Looking for, I'm looking forward to it too. And, uh, um, you know, I'm not I'm not shy when I'm out on the street talking to people, but but sometimes uh, if you look at if you look at what's going on when somebody is filming uh, you, yeah. then you become a little self conscious. A little, yeah. I had the same thing happen to me. I mean, not not an entire documentary, but I had the local place well, was still in Cleveland. The uh, local PBS station wanted to spend the day with me on the street, photographing and and doing an interview. And so here I had a camera person and a sound guy following me around. You know, when you do street photography, you want to be unobtrusive and you're anything but. The ba- the downside of that that day, it was in February and it was like 17 degrees, which isn't a super cold day in Cleveland, but it's cold and it was windy and there was nobody on the street <laughs> except for people waiting for buses. But what an interesting experience. I, I couldn't yeah. imagine having a whole documentary done like that. that well, was- uh, on my street photography, um, the, you know, there are a lot of ways that the, that uh, photographers shoot. So sometimes they want to be anonymous. They don't want anybody to see mm-hmm. them. And uh, for me, um, I think one of my fortes is that I interact with people. I, I see them coming. Sometimes I work on a tripod, sometimes not. And, and um, if I see somebody coming down the street and they've got a, a, a Monty Python walk mm-hmm. or they're, they're uh, <laughs> acting out some way, then I say, okay, here comes a good photograph. So I interact with them. The first thing I do is, is say something about their, their shirt or, or what they're wearing or what, what's your dog's name or, mm-hmm. you know, where did you get that t-shirt or, you know, like, um, uh, why, you know, are you a tourist? And, you know, so I interact and once, once I'm talking to them, then I can get them to pose for a picture on other times. I, I, I don't do that. I, you know, the camera might be hidden, you know, I've already set. I'm standing in a place where I know it's a good location. Um, it's a great background, and I wait for the person to get where I want them to be, and then I take the picture. Mm-hmm. Lately, or I would say, you know, in the last five years, or maybe last ten years, when people are very conscious about uh, cameras, um, <clears throat> they, especially kid, 
people with kids, they don't want you to take the picture. They're afraid that uh, you're taking the picture so that somebody can kidnap their kid yeah. or you're going to show them in a poor light and they're, they're going to be up on uh, social media. So <clears throat> cameras, especially cameras with big lenses, uh, people tend to shy away. Mm. Very different than, than in the 1970s where people didn't mind having their picture taken. Lately, I've been shooting. I have a new uh, uh, iPhoto 13 Pro Max. Mm -hmm. Nobody thinks it's a camera. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So, so I I've been shooting with that, and I'm still, and I only have had it for a couple months. So I'm still learning what you can do and how you can. What's the fastest way to use that? But um, I don't get any flack about having that as a camera at all. Nobody says, "Oh, you're did you take my picture or something like that?" They just think I'm a I'm I'm another tourist or something taking an eye photo. And that's great. It has a really wide angle. You know, it takes uh, it takes has very good lenses. It takes great pictures. There's a limit. There is a limit. There there are two things that I've found. Uh, that I don't like about it. One is that there's a limit to how big you can make the picture without getting an aftermarket uh, um, uh, app for it. And if you're standing in the sun and you're taking a picture of something in the sun, you can't see what's going on on the screen. Yeah. So those are those are the downsides. But otherwise, uh, I'll take some good pictures with it. I'm sure. Yeah, it doesn't matter what you use. There's always a trade-off. Right. Right. Doesn't matter. So, Eve, um, so what's what's happening next? What do you what what's next on the agenda for you? <clears throat> well, um, you know, I like to I like to explore with my camera. Or, you know, so so aside from still going to places that I've never seen, which I will continue to do and hope that we get over the, the pandemic, um, the camera has always been just a tool for me. Um, during the pandemic, I, I worked in the studio uh, working on a series because almost, almost all of the pictures I take become part of a collection of a series. Mm -hmm. So I've been working in the studio, working on... Um, Circles, squares, and triangles. So the circle, squares, and triangles are started with with um, a residency that I had in Rotterdam uh, eight years ago. I think you reminded yeah, me of it. Yeah, I'm last See, I didn't time realize I it yeah. was that long ago yeah. when I was when I was there, and it was rainy a lot there. So so I was working in the studio. I started picking up uh, trash from around the studio, and I was influenced at that time by by um i by dutch uh dutch architects and and i guess uh jungen steel it's a you know a, from a time i guess in the 20s and the 30s maybe a little earlier uh of the, and and just started making uh, uh 3d collages mm. i mean assemblages and they were kind of architectural so i started there but then it, then it evolved to using just simple shapes circles squares and triangles and i would find things like fans or 
our um, Christmas tree lights or, uh, you know, like uh, um, maybe a, a, a carton that somebody shipped something to me in. And, and so I used these circle squares and triangles, marbles, gratings, you know, like just trash that I found around and started making uh, uh, still lifes. And, um, and, uh, uh, I like, I like the results and I'm still, uh, doing those that has evolved to, to still making the still lifes, but it, it's evolved to, um, an offshoot of that is called a square peg, uh, round hole. So now I'm finding things that, uh, there's a confrontation between, uh, something that's square and round and how do they how do you get them to fit together so you know i think that uh, photography is only bound by your brain you can you know you just use the camera to to uh, to get it out of, out of your system get it out of your head and onto a piece of paper in this case photographic paper yeah i see uh on your website, one of these, it's got pickleballs in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you just use, yes, anything you, anything you can. Those are really cool. Do you play pickleball? Uh, um, <laughs> no, I, no. <laughs> okay. I you've got, so you've got a lot of them in there. That's funny. Yeah. And, and, uh, I use, uh, yeah. Um, well, they also those things are wiffle balls. You need you're looking at wiffle balls also, yeah. so the the balls have holes in them. Yep, yep. Yeah, those, so those balls that have holes in them, that's just another a level of uh, circle squares and triangles. Yeah. You know, so Ooh, it's a cool. circle with circles. So and shadows. I, I'm in love with shadows. So so I I use the shadows the. They're shadows, but they also become positive in a way. Mm -hmm. So, and it's just scrap stuff that I find around. And, you know, like sometimes I clean it up and sometimes I don't. So. Yep. Yep. Pretty cool. Yeah. Then it's not street photography, but. So what? So <laughs> what? what? you like to do. Yes. So why don't. Uh... So before we go here, why don't you tell us real quick where people can find you, especially if they want that film. <laughs> yeah, they just, well, um, my email is really simple. It's my name, avepildes at gmail.com. Yeah, that's simple. And, and I guess if you, if, um, since I mentioned I like to explore, I also use still images to make little films. So those are, they're kind of, st they're stop action, but you can find those on YouTube. So it's oh. Ave Pildes YouTube. Okay. And, um, and I guess, uh, uh, my websites are avepildes.com or avepildesjazz.com or Instagram, avepildes. So I'm not hiding from anybody, <laughs> but. You um, got it covered. Yeah. But, uh, and, and, uh, I don't really, I, I, I'm not obnoxious about promoting myself, but if you want to find me, you can. Yep. That's all. That's you good. can sign up, sign up uh, someplace and I'll send you a picture every week. Yep. That's good. I've, I've been 
looking at your pictures every week for eight years now. Yeah. It's simple. And they're sometimes they're they're funny. Sometimes it's on my mind. Sometimes they miss completely. <laughs> what I think is a good picture nobody responds to. I don't have a clue about why people like or dislike pictures. So Yep. If you figure that out, let me know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, likewise, if you figure it out, <laughs> let me know. Uh, you know, pictures that I think are ordinary, sometimes people just say, oh, my God, this is an incredible photo. And I get lots of likes for that. Yeah. And then if I if I if I send one that um, that I think is really good, then nobody responds. So I don't I don't have a clue. Yeah, me neither. Just keep doing what you do. Yes. All right. Well, Abe, I'm blessed. Huh? I get to. I'm blessed. I can. I can keep doing this, and uh, you know, I'm not going to uh, change my change my career now. No, don't bother. No, you got it down pretty good. Well, thanks, Abe. Appreciate. Oh, it me. was a pleasure, Bob, and it's always nice to talk to you. And thanks for supporting me. That that's nice. Glad to do it. Okay. Your thoughts about the show go a long way in helping us decide on the guests and the subjects that we include in each episode. So please take a few moments to write a review in Apple Podcasts or whatever service you use to stream your podcasts. It helps us know if we're on the right track and it helps others to find and enjoy the show. The editor of Street Photography Magazine is Ashley Refo, and our audio engineer is Russell Boyd from WeBit Studios, found at webitstudios.co.uk. I'm Bob Patterson, and this is the Street Photography Magazine podcast, a service of Street Photography Magazine. Mm-hmm.